Hey, thank you so much for listening to the V1 Church Podcast. This is Mike Signorelli. I'm the lead pastor. And when you hit that play button, I think you made one of the best decisions that you're going to make all day today. So I wanted to confirm that for you. Um, But hey, before we jump into this message, and we're just going to jump in in a few seconds, I want to let you know that it was like a nuclear bomb went off in church when we hit the outro. And I made a bold proclamation. You know, if you're anything like me, you've got this feeling that church could be and should be different. I mean, maybe you have church hurt. Maybe you've just been through situations with church leadership and it's made you think like, man, why did I go through that season? Like, why was I in that place for that duration of time? Like, what is going on? I think this message is going to articulate some of that from the heart of God to you. And so why don't you just, without further ado, go ahead, lock in, get ready to take some notes. Here's this week's message. I heart my church. Can we just welcome everyone who is watching live and listening to the podcast right now, though? Wherever you're at in the world. Okay, so take your Bibles out if you have them and turn to Ezekiel chapter 28. And while you're finding Ezekiel chapter 28... Um, if you don't have your Bible, the scriptures are going to be on the screen, so we have that for you as well. But while you're finding Ezekiel chapter 28, um, can I just, okay, we're getting to know each other, right? Like, we're starting this, you met my wife, Pastor Julie, we co-pilot this thing, now you're meeting me, my name's Mike Signorelli, the lead pastor of the church, and you know, as we get to know each other, like, um, let me say like this, I've been married for 12 years, where are my married people at? What, what? Okay, okay, okay. See that sound? It was slightly discouraged. Um, Where are my single people at? Okay, look around, look around. It was your chance. (laughs) If they don't have a physical print Bible, don't even talk to them. Some of you just got disqualified. (laughs) But as you go on this journey of marriage, uh, you develop these idiosyncrasies where you get kind of weird and there's things you like, but then there's things you love. And the things that you love in the context of your own marriage are kind of, they're a little weird. So I wanted to kind of share with you some things that, that we love just to, so we can kind of like develop this relationship with each other. I, I don't know if anyone else can help me out with this, but I love, Pastor Julie loves chips and salsa. All right, all right, all right. Moderate applause for that. Here's, here's why you didn't get as loud as you could have or should have. If you live and were born and raised in New York, I would just submit to you, you have not had real chips and salsa because the real ones not even, are not even in Mexico. Dios te bendiga, hermanos. En el nombre de Jesús, Ozzy. Somebody was like, I'm home. I don't know what that sound was. He went there. Somebody's like, he went there. Um, but the real chips and salsa are actually in Northwest Indiana. And I don't, man, I know you'll, yeah, you'll get there one day, but, uh, we love chips and salsa. And, uh, I, I just, when, when I die and get into heaven, there's going to be a chips and salsa buffet line on the way to meet Jesus. That's the level. Okay. Something else that we love, we don't like, we love. Now, I didn't run this past my wife. Typically, we collaborate on all of our communications so we can grow and we run ideas. Hey, how did this work? So this message, she was actually in Northwest Indiana preaching at the Vital Women's Conference with some of our women's, our women's. I got, the hood comes out every once in a while, reveals where I'm truly from. 
but she was preaching at Vital Women Women's Conference. I don't know. And uh, I didn't get a chance to run this by her, but I'm feeling vulnerable right now. And I feel like if we're going to like get to know each other uh, in a more intimate level, I have to tell you this thing that we love, even though she probably like wouldn't want me to tell you. Can I tell you? We actually really like really bad conspiracy theory alien documentaries. Is that bad? <laughs> okay, now listen, for those of you who are like, I knew this church was one of those churches. We don't wear tinfoil hats, and we don't even believe it, but our life is so serious dealing with all of your junk every week. And... <laughs> And sometimes we'll, we'll look up a video about angelic visitations or near-death experiences, and then 18 videos later on YouTube, we end up on the dark side of YouTube. <laughs> Have you ever ended up there, the other side of YouTube, where you're like hoping you're not logged in because you don't want someone else to see your history because it's that weird? Have you ever got that deep into YouTube where you finish watching the video and you feel a little bad about yourself? Where you're like, what does this say about my life that I actually got to this place in YouTube? Is there anyone? Am I the only one? So over the last like decade of marriage, we've just gotten in this, you know, and we laugh at it and it's stupid and we, it's funny to us. It's funny. So we're not weird. Um, okay, the next thing that we love, love, and I, I need to know where my people are at. We love coffee. Yeah. All right, all right, welcome home. Now listen, if we haven't met in person yet, I'm gonna tell you something. If you reveal to me that you don't drink coffee, the second thought I have after I learn your name is what other psychopathic tendencies do they have? Because not liking coffee makes you crazy. And, and my thought is like, if, okay, you have to be a psycho to not drink coffee, so where else are they crazy? And listen, this is just real talking. You don't give me this, I'm a Mountain Dew guy, okay? It's coffee or it's nothing at all. No, and here's the thing. My wife and I, we actually communicate love for each other by pouring the liquid of God into the cup. And so you remove coffee. We don't even have another means by which to show each other love. We, there's no coffee. There's no love. Someone's like, didn't he say Ezekiel chapter 28 a long time ago? I'm getting there, you theologian. I'm, a, I'm about to take this thing so deep. I had to front load it with stuff to make you feel good before I shank you with the scripture, okay? Because I know there are people, he didn't even hold it. By. Listen, the last thing we love is we love the beach. Anyone else? I used to hate the beach until I just accepted my dad bod. And I was like, she's never leaving me. I, we've decided this so I can have a dad bod and rock it out. And I love the beach. I love Long Island. But here, why did I even take the time in our message before we jump into Ezekiel chapter 28 to, to deal with the things that, that Julie and I love? Well, let me, let me tell you why, okay? Because no matter how weird it got in that little portion, nobody here really judged me and decided you were going to excommunicate me. But, but can I just tell you, when you say, I love my church, what that actually translates to most people in your life that don't go to church, can I just help you out? Can I be the translator? Because like, I try to live my life in such a way that I don't get so insulated by Christian culture that I'm, I'm unrelatable to the world. Like, do you know these people that just levitate? They're, they're ultra Christians, right? 
they're, we call them over Christians, you know, where it's like, hey, can you, can you just come back down to the atmosphere of humanity so we can talk for a second? Um, you know, I don't understand the tongues you're talking in right now. Can, can we, okay, you have you grocery shop this week? So, you know, I'm fasting, you know, but for the rest of the world, when even during the latest, when they said, do you love your church? I know there was somebody in this room who thought this thought, and I'm going to translate it. And if you're here and man, this pastor gets me, this is what they actually heard. I, let me hear you scream and say, I love my church. Here's what they heard. I love drinking Kool-Aid at my occult every week. (laughs) That's literally what they heard. I love going to the movie theater and drinking Kool-Aid with my occult every week. They're not inspired by I love my church. They're not, it's not like I love my church. Yeah, I'll check it out if they've been wounded by the church. And I'm just saying, we've got some guests here. I wrote this message weeks ago, okay? So I'm not speaking to anyone in this room. I'm, I'm just obeying the voice of the Holy Spirit as we go in. But I instantly thought to myself when we were gonna come into I, I love my church, I heart my church, I'm gonna give them all the reasons why God wants them to go to church. And I was like, you know what? That's not V1 culture. That's too cliche. Why don't I tell them all the reasons why Lucifer doesn't want them to go to church? So can I preach that message instead? Okay, now don't be clapping for Lucifer. (laughs) Now, it's basically universal that you all know the Lord's Prayer. Am I right? Our Father who art in heaven. You all know that prayer, right? Now, the disciples only ever asked Jesus how to do one thing. They watched him cure incurable diseases. They watched him restore sinners that became saints. They watched him do some incredible things, but they only asked him to do one thing. Teach me how to pray. And that's interesting because if I was following Jesus, I'd probably have a different list of things I'd say, teach me how to do that. But they said only, they only ever ask, at least we have it recorded in scripture, one thing, teach me how to pray. And when he said, here's a model for how you should pray, he started it off with this relational component, our father who are in heaven. But then towards the end, he says, deliver us from the evil one. And so I've just got to be honest with you. If we're in here singing about the reckless love of God, you know that there's another side. There's an antithesis. There's there's another side of this story. You have an adversary. And there's not a lot of millennial preachers who want to talk about the devil, but I'm going to preach about Lucifer today and give you the whole picture. Is that all right? And so, okay, here you go, theologians. In Ezekiel chapter 28, uh, you have an account. Now, the first, two, first 10 scriptures, uh, the, because of the mechanics and the devices of the language used by the author, indicate that, that he is talking about a ruler in the region of Tyre. And this was a flesh and blood human being that is being discussed in Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. But then scholars, biblical scholars, all agree that there's a shift in the tone and the language and the devices that are used to explain a different being. And this is where you have one of two major accounts in scripture of a created being by God called Lucifer, okay? And so from verse 11 down to verse 19, you are not talking about this human ruler over a region of Tyre. You are actually now talking about Lucifer, the created being by God. And it gives an account of what happens with him being created, going through a duration of time, then birthing sin in his heart, iniquity it's called, and then being cast down to the earth and expelled from the perfect environment of heaven. So are we all on the same page? All right, you with me? Okay, 
And so in verse 18, it says this, I threw you to the earth. What does that mean? There was a time where Satan, Lucifer, was in heaven, a created being, and his primary role was simply to use his splendor, his beauty, his intelligence, his wisdom, and utilize all that gifting that God gave him to give glory to God. And so you have these other created beings called angels and angels were accompanying him and he himself an angel in this, in this work of actually giving God glory in the environment, in the realm of heaven, right? So Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 18 says, I threw you to the earth and then go down to chapter or chapter 28, verse 15 says, and he remained perfect in his ways until iniquity was found in him. Say until. Okay, this is an important part of the story. Until, what was the iniquity that came into his heart? Let's read verse 17. Your heart, this is the prophet just giving us the narrative, became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So Lucifer apparently was so impressed with his own beauty. Okay, if you're taking notes, this would be like a leadership lesson you can unfold, okay? He became so impressed with his own beauty, his own intelligence, in other words, the wisdom and insight that he thinks he had about how God was running things. Well, you, you'll meet some people like this in the church. His own power. You ever met someone on a power trip that gets marshaled in the local church with a position and they hurt a lot of people out of the power and the position? And the reason why I felt like it was so important to talk to you about the characteristics, the attributes, and the behaviors of Lucifer is because if we can get all on the same page about the biblical account of who he was and how he operated, then when he tries to step up in this church, you'll say, oh, no, no, no. I saw that in scripture. Pastor Mike told us this was coming. Not, oh, devil, no, not today. Right? Make me go there. And so because of his own beauty, intelligence, power, and position, his heart conceived this self-generated pride. So you can write this down. This is my first point, and this blows my mind every time I think about it. In the perfect environment of heaven, Lucifer's heart produced pride. Let me break that down for you. Sometimes the problem isn't around you, it's in you. You know, I've, here's how I sleep at night, because we try our best. One of our values here is excellence, and you can feel that in this atmosphere. But you know what? We have Sundays. We had a Sunday where we lost our own child before church started. That is the worst first impression ever for new guests. The lead pastors lost their kids. What does that mean for my own? Right? And, you know, but I, but I sleep at night knowing that even if I was able to say I created a perfect environment for you where this church just runs flawlessly, you would still have to deal with what's inside of you. And, you know, I've got people all the time who are bashing Long Island. Oh, Long Island. This, oh, we know we got problems. But it says so much more about us. Road rage is still a choice. You know that, right? Somebody just got delivered in Jesus' name. I, you know, I sit in counseling sessions with husbands and wives, and sometimes I look at the husband and say, homie, I'm going to tell you something. I can, we can do wife swap, but you would hate my wife and yell at her too, because you got a problem inside of you. Man, take that, man. Yeah, play that back later. (laughs) 
Lucifer was in a perfect environment of heaven and he still produced pride in his own heart. Stop blaming the church for all your problems. Stop blaming your job for all your problems. Stop blaming the environment and deal with what's inside of you. Somebody getting ready to get free today. All right, second point. Are you still with me? Lucifer convinced, and this is the biblical account that you have in Ezekiel and Isaiah again. Um, Lucifer convinced angels, one-third, the Bible gives an account of up to one-third of the angels, that there was something wrong in a perfect environment. He convinced them through the cunningness of his words. So what does that mean for you? Sometimes people will lead you astray with an opinion that's not even your own. You know how many perfect-hearted people I've seen come into the church, didn't have any issue with the church, didn't have any issue with the church leadership, but somebody in the same character and attributes of Lucifer himself gave them an idea that wasn't even conceived in their own heart and caused their whole life to derail and them to exit God's plan through that church. And you know, if Satan was able to convince angels, one-third of them, that actually saw God with their own eyes, and circled around his throne, worshiping him. And through the cunningness of his words, sow the seeds of deception in their heart that caused them to rebel against God Almighty. Don't you know that it can happen right here in V1 Church? And here's what's crazy to think about. Have you ever been in a relationship and the people around you are doing more to the detriment of your relationship than what's in your own heart? I mean, there, I've actually heard people, and I cannot deal with some, some church business right now, y'all. Can I be a spiritual father right now? Can I be a spiritual father? Okay, so as the lead pastor of this house, there are times where people's own personal issue, as it comes out of their mouth, becomes someone's issue that never had it in their own heart. And people say, isn't that funny how Pastor Mike did blah, blah, blah? And just that simple word goes deposited in there. Isn't it funny how Pastor Julie did blah, blah, blah? I mean, think about how Satan continues, and, and, and he's Lucifer. He continues this thread because what he did to a third of, it was able to do by convincing up to a third of the angels, he continues his ministry of evil when he shows up at the garden and he just comes alongside of Eve and says, did God really say that? Isn't that crazy to think about? And it's, it was more of a question than a statement. Are you really going to die? How, and, and I think we're in this era where it's just like, we've got to be careful because God is willing something in this earth. Let me give you the encouragement. If you showed up today, I believe it's because there's something kicking on the inside of you that knows that we're about to take the church. And I'm talking big C to the next level. And there's going to be a harvest of souls like we've never seen before. That's the only explanation for why I've got all these stab wounds on my back from pastors that did me wrong and still showed up to church today. Because I believe that there's more. I believe that there's greater. I believe that what was done to me wasn't powerful enough to stop the cross from healing me and still getting me here today. And I believe you've got that in you too. Can I give you my third point? Lucifer's sin. Oh man, somebody needs this. Lucifer's sin. I'm going to go like this while I say it. Lucifer's sin was not a failure of leadership in his life. He had God as his leader and his, his heart still derailed his original design. 
And I hear over and over and over again, well, Pastor Mike, I'd be in a whole different place in life if I had a better leader. I'd be in a whole different place in life if, if God, am I the only one that has seasons in my life where I look back at churches that I believe with every fiber of my being that God was spiritually and prophetically calling my family to? And I look back now and I was like, was I that stupid? Am I the only one who's been there before? And you're thinking to yourself, how did I not see the signs? Why? But I feel so deeply inside of me that God did call me to that place, especially for that season. Well, can I give you the answer and unravel that ball of yarn that's maybe knotted inside of your soul from the years that you spent maybe in a place that you felt like was the wrong place? Do you know that as a pastor, a lot of the church experiences that I had before I got to you were wounding experiences, not healing experiences. And here's my point. Lucifer sin wasn't a failure of leadership. Here's another way of saying it. Sometimes leadership heals and sometimes leadership is sent to reveal. Now let me, let me give you the Bible. Satan had God as a great leader, but you know what? Joseph had Potiphar. Come on, somebody. Daniel had Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, so think about the pastor you're complaining about, the leader, the husband, the person on your job, your boss. But David had Saul. Moses had Pharaoh himself. Can I preach about Moses floating down the river in a wicker basket headed towards a terrible leader by the sovereign hand of God? And when I look back and ask myself, God, why did you take me through that season at that church with that leader, with that pastor? I'm talking about I love my church, okay? I see the sovereign hand of God in the same way that Moses was sent to Pharaoh. And here's what I mean by that. There's this crazy scripture that seems to indicate that God was doing something and the story was really about Moses. It wasn't about Pharaoh. And here's how I know that. There's this scripture in, this, in the timeline that says, and God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. What does that mean? It means that God had sent Moses to Pharaoh, but really the work was being done on Moses. And I think about all the seasons of my life and some of the leadership that I was under and their failure, their perceived failure in my life. And I say, oh, no, no, I got to flip now on this one because God was actually doing something inside of me. And let me explain. I grew up in a church where women were subjugated. I grew up in a church where my mom could out preach anyone in that church, but was never given the opportunity because of her gender. And I asked myself, why did I spend all those years in a church like that? And God said, just like Moses was being cultivated and there was something in his heart as he watched the children of Israel stuck in bondage and slavery that was being there was a freedom being cultivated in his heart because he was saying man the more I see the children of Israel under this slavery the more my bones want to cry out let my people go and there were seasons in my life where it was because of the failure of leadership that something was cultivated in my heart. It was me watching them fail that I, that I said, you know what? I mean, there's other leaders. They had a lack of accountability and I, they slept with women that they weren't married to and they mismanaged the church funds. And I had a front row seat for that garbage. And when I look back and say, God, why did you send me through Pharaoh? It was because he was cultivating something in me. And he said, because son, by the time you show up to your destiny, you're going to be strong enough to release women across this entire world to do all of what God's called them to do. And son, by the time you show up, you're going to have your heart marked with integrity and honor in all of your dealings. And I was doing something in you through their bad leadership. 
And so when I say I heart my church, I'm saying the whole thing, the good, the bad, the disgusting, the ugly. And somebody might be asking the question, why would God ever even create Lucifer knowing that he was going to wreak all the havoc that he is wreaking in our lives? Can I give you the answer? Because when God creates a thing, he always knows the end from the beginning. When you were going through some of the darkest seasons of your life through certain churches and you say, God, I I don't really feel like I'm that ignorant, that stupid to make that choice wrong. What's happening? God saw the end from the beginning. He always sees the end from the beginning. And I'm just going to tell you right now, the only reason why Lucifer was ever created and given reign to do what he's doing is because he's being used by God to, to fashion a church and mold us and make us into something that God's destined us to be. And when God's done with him, he's going to take him and throw him in the lake of fire and be done with him for forever. And he's going to say, how you like me now? And I think we give Satan too much credit. But I'll tell you this, I'm standing up for something And I'm not talking about the beach anymore. I'm not talking about how much I love coffee. I'm not talking about how much I love documentaries. I'm talking about the very thing that when Jesus stretched his arms wide, he made a public proclamation. I'm doing this because I love the bride of the very church assembled to know me. It's a public proclamation that he made on the cross. And I'm telling you, I'm not going to rest until this banner that's over me, that's over my heart, I heart means something. I'm tired of the title pastor sounding like a cuss word when I say it to someone because of how much harm pastors have done to people. I'm tired of saying I'm going to church and people's eyes look back at me with a drudgery because of the years and years and years and years that they gave their life and it wasn't reciprocated by the leadership that they were under. And I'm here giving my own life like Jesus did to say I will not rest until I can say I love my church and that's something to be proud of. And you know what? If you're here in this place, I think you think the same thing. If you showed up today, I believe it's by divine appointment. And let me explain. This church is full of reformers. This church is full of people that believe that there could be a different way. I mean, I think that's why you showed up. Let's be honest. Nobody forced you to be here. This was a voluntary thing. You showed up. But I think you showed up because there's something deep inside of you that believes that there can be more. And you know, if you're here in this place, and you believe it can be different, it's just like saying, you know what? I'm not gonna be a food critic anymore. I'm actually gonna be a chef. You know what? I'm not gonna be a literary critic. I actually wanna be an author now. And you know what? I I don't wanna just be the person who talks about it. I wanna be about it. And see, with my own life, I got to that point where I'm like, I can criticize the church or I can give my life to build it. If I truly believe that that's God's plan for the planet Earth and I believe it, does anyone else believe it? Would you stand to your feet with me? You can be a bitter Christian or you can be the kind of Christian that says, everything I see wrong, I was created to fix. I'm going to make a declaration. And we did this last service. It's going to be a bold moment. 
You guys with me? I know if you're here and you're like, what is going on? You know, what, what is this all about? I, I want to tell you, you have an adversary. And when you know the characteristics and the qualities and the attributes of that adversary, you see him at work in your midst and you say, man, you're right. I really didn't have a problem with the church until so-and-so poisoned my mind. And I saw that at work, everything was okay. And you say, oh man, you know what? I, I really didn't. Um, you know, and you start going through and you see how the adversary was at work in your heart trying to derail you from the unity because there's power in unity. There's power when you come together and what you can't do alone, you can do together. And the breakthrough that I talked about happening in this church, you want to know the secret to how the breakthrough happens? It happens because the things that you're not able to do alone, suddenly as you come together in unity, you are empowered to do the thing that you can't do alone because it's everyone at work in your life. And that's what we hear every single week we hear people say I just felt so alone I, I felt so abandoned I felt so incomplete but then when I look down the aisle at church I see somebody that looks just like I do who's been through something that I've been through and, and when I see their hands lifted towards heaven and I know that they can make it I can make it too and the power is in the unity and I'm here to raise up a holy standard against Lucifer and his lies and the things that he tried way back when. And it's even crazy to think about the fact that in the spiritual realm, and I hope you don't think this is weird, but there's angels, there's angelic hosts that are in this atmosphere now that through the eons of time witness the story that the prophet Ezekiel gives account for. And they're here now in 2018. Your life is not an accident. You were destined and born for a purpose. And I'm here to serve notice that God has showed up in your life today. And just as they watch Lucifer's fall, they're going to watch his annihilation. And the things that you went through, you're not always going to go through them. But Sometimes you got to go through some stuff and God will use Pharaoh. God will use Nebuchadnezzar to show that he's still in the fire. God will use a bad leader and a bad experience to do something inside of you. So if you're with me, I'm going to ask you to help me out. I'm going to make a bold proclamation right now. Because in different times throughout the course of history, there's this thing that rises up. There's a growing sentiment that large numbers of people feel, and it rises up. You see it in, in, in segregation era America. There's this growing sentiment that just begin to accumulate where people said, this is messed up. Whites only, black only. It can't be like this. And then you get a massive movement that mobilizes, and you get Martin Luther King. And I feel something in the spirit realm that's rising. It's a discontent. It's people saying there's got to be a better way to do church. There's got to be a better way to do this thing called life. And I feel that sentiment rising. I'm seeing it across the world. People are saying, I'm not going to abandon the bride, but I don't know what to do next. So I'm here to make a proclamation about who we're going to be and what we're going to do. Are you ready? So I need you to help me out. I'm about to serve notice on some stuff that I'm tired of. I'm about to serve some notice on some stuff that almost took you out of the game and robbed you of your destiny. I'm here to proclaim, whereas the church has been a source of misogyny and it's been dismissive and even oppressive towards women, whereas the church has perpetuated racial division and remained passive, Whereas the church has stood silent as victims of mental and emotional and sexual abuse suffer as a result of injustice and zero accountability leadership. 
Whereas the church has abandoned the father's heart for the widow, the orphan, and the poor. Whereas the church itself has been the source of scientific confusion, relational hurt, and even cultural pain. I declare that this church will be a place where women are recognized for their full potential. I declare that this church will be as intentionally diverse as heaven itself, representing the entire spectrum of God's creation in perfect unity. I declare that this church will be a loud voice for those who no longer have a voice and have been silenced. I declare that this church will produce influencers who will lead in the spheres of education, in the spheres of government, in the sphere of media, in the sphere of the arts, and in the sphere of marketplace business. Rising from the ashes of multiple generations of bondage and captivity, I declare today that we are the breaker generation. Today, I make the same bold and radical and public proclamation of the cross of Jesus Christ that freed me and freed you once and forevermore. I love my church. Hey, thank you so much for sticking around this far. Listen, if you got this far, I believe that the same thing that happened in that auditorium is happening in your life. I believe that God is already at work on your heart, in your heart. And listen, we hear stories every single week of radical life change as a result of hearing these messages. So do me a favor, go to www.v1.church and send us a message and let us know what God is doing in your life through this message. We can't wait to see you guys. Go ahead and subscribe to this podcast, share it with all your friends, and let them know that God is speaking today. We love you guys. I'll see you next week.